Well, hey, how are you? Is it chilly in here? Okay, it has been adjusted. So it shall be written, Rob says, so it shall be done. Isn't this amazing choir fantastic? <laughs> Tammy, tell us why they're here. Yes. So, so these, are, these are our friends, our new friends from Piedmont College in Atlanta. And Jonathan Pilkington is their director. And Jonathan and I go back a few years singing together at Marble Collegiate Church. So we welcome you all here. Thank you. How many of you are visiting today with us for the very first time? If so, will you raise your hand? Hello. Hi. Where, where are you from? From New Jersey? We're all from New Jersey. Are you? Well, hello, family. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? All right. Let's say hello to all the people online. Hello. Hello, online. Um, we're so glad you're with us today. Um, today is Children's Day. We celebrate Children's Day the first Sunday in June. Where is Lake? My little boyfriend. I have such a crush on him. So the, the, the whole day is a message for all ages. Uh, we've put together some beautiful things, and we just are so glad for all of the little ones, the littlest new one in our midst. Uh, there is no village chorus this afternoon, but the gospel choir is having a concert at 2.30. So I hope you'll hang around and, uh, you know, do some East Village things, but come back for the music. Doors open at 2, uh, concert starts at 2.30, any donation you make to the concert just goes to social justice and racial justice ministry. So feel free to be generous there. Pride t-shirts are for sale in the social hall, and they'll be in the narthex. Right back there, narthex. They're purple. Come on up, Edna. Let me just see you show the... Oops, she can't see me. She's going to show us the purple t-shirt. Um, on June 24th, the last Sunday in June, when we marched down... Fifth Avenue for Pride. You can wear whatever color t-shirt you have. Is Jonathan Soto here? Okay. There's the t-shirt. <gasps> okay. Woo! $20. Jorge, Edna, Rob, Christina, will you stand up for me? Just come a little, because uh, it's an app. I, I, Jonathan Soto is going to join us in a little while, but this is the announcement time. So I just need to say that our Puerto Rico team, our Puerto Rico team has been hecka slamming justice, um, working on a weekend of activism, Friday at Fort Washington, Saturday at the UN, um, today here at Middle Church, tomorrow in D.C., 
amazing press, I just think we want to thank God and you for keeping our Puerto Rican family before us. Hey, Jorge saying so much work to be done. Yes, let the work begin. Thank you. How many? Five, say, Edna. Almost 5,000 people. Almost 5,000. More than 9 11. More than 9 11. More than Katrina. More than 9 11. More than Katrina. One of the editorials I wrote said if there were 5,000 pets dead, we'd be outraged. If there were 5,000 cats and dogs dead, we'd be outraged. But it's five thousand American citizens and there hasn't been nearly enough of an outcry, not nearly enough, but we're crying out now. Amen? Come on, Biddle, we're going to cry out now. With that in mind, let's stand and lift our voices in song to the God who loves us all. standing for the prayer of thanksgiving and right before that i got asked about these hashtags earlier and two of them here is audit pr deaths hashtag that you can use today and then audit the debt so we want to audit the deaths that happens so we know actually uh, uh, what has happened in puerto rico and then also audit the unjust debt that is crippling the economy and is the underlying thing that makes it so that puerto rico was, had a 43.5 percent poverty rate before Hurricane Maria, compared to about 12 or 13 percent nationwide. Uh, so that's what we're doing here. But if you would please pray with me in the prayer of thanksgiving. All loving creator God, we are thankful for the opportunity to worship you. We give you thanks for this sanctuary 
and the work of sanctuary making that this church and others are doing in the streets and in places of power. We know, God, that if our sanctuary ends at the door, then it's not your sanctuary. We thank you for the spirit of resistance and resilience coming from Puerto Rico and from the people uh, here in this city and across the country. We give special thanks for the listening ears of children who can transform us with the way they listen. We know that we cannot uh, follow you without becoming like children, where we can learn and grow and make mistakes and know that we don't have it figured out yet. Give us that spirit today as we experience your transforming power and love in this worship experience now and forevermore. Pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.
Thank you, choir. We're so grateful to have you with us today. I want to invite you now into a moment of silence. Let us pray. 
God of Easter and God of Pentecost. God of Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. We thank you for the resurrecting power of your spirit. We pray for the people of Puerto Rico who have been living a Good Friday experience. They have prayed and waited through the darkest nights. They have wondered how long, how long, oh God, do we pray and you do not hear us? Come, oh Christ, appear to your people again. Remind them that they have not been forgotten. Appear to us now and open our eyes and hearts to the suffering of your people. Give us courage to raise our voices for economic justice, for health care, and for quality education. May the symbol of this tarp remind us that the kingdom of God on earth is predicated on our love of neighbor, love of children, and love of creation. As we look to this tarp, may you touch those who are fearfully awaiting a hurricane season. Envelop their hearts with the hope for a new day, filled with new life and possibilities. May they feel your presence and know they are not alone. Inspire us and confront us here so that we may continue to work for a just world for all. Amen. Amen. Now as we do the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to invite some of my friends to help me. Some kids are learning this prayer for the first time. Some have done it a hundred times. We're going to do motions today. So stand with me so we can do full body prayer where we got all sorts of motions going. Helpers, you ready? Okay. We are going to do a one walkthrough, and then we'll do the prayer afterwards. So here we go. It's going to be ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive those who sin against us. Or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we do it together? You ready? Let us pray. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
As we pass the piece now, I'm going to invite our kids to join me on the blanket in the front so we get a front row seat for the sermon today. Pass the piece to your neighbor. Today's scripture comes from the first Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Samuel's calling. Now the boy Samuel was ministering the Lord to the Lord under Eli. 
The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight has begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet come, gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you have called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said again, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Good job. Fist bumps. John, your voice is so low, Jonah. So glad to have you with us today as we celebrate our children in a special way, and as we, I need your help, young people, with a prayer of illumination, meaning the prayer that'll help us see what God is saying, okay? And Auntie Diana's gonna help us. <laughs> I'm gonna sing Someone's Praying. Can we sing? Someone's praying, Someone's praying, Lord, kumbaya. Y'all can do the motions too. Someone's praying, Lord, kumbaya. That story that our readers read, did you learn that story, anybody, when you were a little kid, Samuel? 
Sunday school or Hebrew school? Um, I did. When I was your age, and even when I was a teenager, I had this amazing Sunday school teacher. Her name was Mrs. Dixon. And she was softly brown and soft to hug. And she was the color of hot chocolate on a cold day. And she was mine all the way from your age to high school because her son, Daryl, upon whom I had a crush, was in my class all the way to high school. She really brought our Bible stories to life. She used everything that she had in her checkbook, music and dance and art and imagination, to make sure that the Bible stories got off the page and came into our bodies. So, for example, when it was time for us to teach us that Jesus had the power to calm the seas, she had us whistling, whistling, and blowing till our cheeks got all tired. And then she had us making rain, first soft rain, and then really hard rain. And then pretty soon the rain got to be so hard, we were popping our fingers and popping our fingers and clapping our hands. And so when she finally said, peace, we were like, oh, wow. God can even make the storms quiet? That's amazing. Then she taught us about Noah's Ark and the flood. She taught us a really silly song that I still remember, unfortunately. The Lord said to Noah, there's gonna be a floody, floody. Lord said to Noah, there's gonna be a floody, floody. Get those children out of the muddy, muddy children. See all those people out there who sung that song when we were little? (laughs) The animals? No, that's not doing it. We were just beginning to ask questions about why there was a flood. Why did God get mad enough to make it rain? And just when we were a little confused, she told us, you know, God said God would never do that again. And God put a rainbow in the sky as a sign of God's promise. So the story that our readers read today is a story about Samuel, who was a little boy when this thing was written. Not a big boy, but a young boy. And it says that Samuel kept hearing this voice, and he thought it was Eli who was his mentor. But it turned out that it was God. And when he found out that it was God, God came, the story says, all the way to Samuel's room, like his own bedroom, right in his room maybe in a dream, but came right there and had a conversation with Samuel like he was a big grown-up, but he was still a boy. I think that's wonderful that God would talk to children, to a child. So he told Samuel this story, and he said, you know what? I'm going to have to punish Eli because Eli's kids, like, don't believe in me anymore and didn't do what they were told to do. And when I was little and I heard that story, I thought, I don't even think that's fair. I don't even think it's fair if Eli is going to be punished because of something his kids did. But Samuel got the message, and Samuel told the message to Eli, and Eli said, you know, God is God. 
and God keeps God's promises. Now, I'm a big old grown lady now, much older than you. But I, very much older than you. But I still don't love the idea that God is going to punish us for something. I just don't really like that. But the way I think about it is this. I think that sometimes, even though God loves us so much, and even though God really, really cares about us, I think sometimes God stands back a little bit and is like, let's see what they're going to do. Let's see if they're going to take care of each other. Let's see what they're going to do. Let's see if they're going to make the world a better place. So this idea of reaping what we sow, have you ever heard that? Like reaping what you sow? You put the seeds in the ground and they're going to grow. Here, here's what that means. If we, like, let's say we're selfish and we think we can take somebody else's land, we reap what we sow because then those people feel sad that we took their land. Or let's say we found the island of Puerto Rico and we thought, oh, la isla bonita, it's so beautiful here. But instead of making those people full citizens, like all of us, we let them not be citizens. And then they feel, big word, disenfranchised, they feel left out, and they don't have all the rights they could have. Or we think some people with all the power should be rich, 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 and the people who don't have the power get to be poor. That's reaping what we sow. Or <coughs> let's say, People go all around the globe like locusts and just take everything, 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 everything. And they don't leave anything for everybody else. That's reaping what we sow. Generation after generation, people who can make bad decisions and it can affect you little people. And it can affect all of us. Like the way in America, we still don't believe that black lives matter as much as all the rest of the lives. Those people who put that in motion leave all of us now not feeling safe. Does that make sense? Reap what you sow. So I'm going to talk to the adults for a minute now because children are listening. They are listening and watching and they're checking us out. They're listening like I did when I was a little person to loving teachers. My Mrs. Dixon is your Miss Marta all the people who help you and we care. Children are listening to songs of lyrics. They're listening to snatches of sermons. They're listening and they're watching. They're paying attention. Do y'all know Tanisha and Megan? Beautiful women, married, little girl named Elijah, new twins. One time, I guess I was preaching about what it's like to make a safe place. And they tell me that Elijah went home and was playing with her dolls. And she said, it's okay, baby. It's a safe container right here. <laughs> a three-year-old listening to the sermon. Children will listen. God will speak to them, too. It's not just old Bible stories, but God shows up in their prayers. God shows up in the quiet spaces of their room. God shows up when they get on their knees to pray or when they pray in their beds at night. God shows up on the playground, inspiring them to be nice to the other kids when somebody's bullying them. God shows up in the lunchroom, telling them to go make a friend of a stranger. 
In fact, earlier in the first worship celebration, Miss Sierra was telling her story. And little Josie said to me, I wish I had my wallet. I've got some money in there, and I put it in the offering plate today. <laughs> Children are listening. That little Josie wondered if we were going to make enough bags for the kids in Puerto Rico when the children were doing that work. Or little Dominic listening. Do you remember when, before Dominic could really talk well, he would just walk around the sanctuary and go, peace with you? Don't you love when the children say peace with you? Children are listening to us and they're giving it back to us. They're giving it back to us like when Christian and Ethan can read those big words in Acts 2. Pamphiglia and Parthenians and all that stuff. Better than some seminary students. Or Jordan and Christian. Woo, Jordan graduated from high school this year. I know. An other Jordan doctor who was like this when I got here and is now this big, hairy, dreadlocked, grown man. He graduated from college this year. Watching your baby girl from the four-year-old who brought you to church to now the graduating high school student. Children are listening, they're watching us, and they're playing it all back to us. Don't you love it? When they hug us or shake our hands or wave to us from the pulpit, hi, Mommy, it's not just the mother that loves that little face, saying, here I am. I know I'm all over it. And when Michelle jumps in my arms and Maya lets me finally hold her, I am absolutely smitten. Children are listening and watching and learning. And sadly, some of what they're seeing in the world is a narrative that is counter to the gospel. They're, they're, they're at somebody's house spending the night and they hear language about those people. Or they catch a snatch of a news and they see dilapidated buildings in Puerto Rico that have not yet been restored. And they think, what? What kind of country is it when, when the little children can't go to school and, and there's no power and the only thing keeping their family safe is a tarp over the roof? Children are listening and they're watching as they go to class and have to learn active shooter training where they hear stories of other little kids who've been hurt. Children are listening and watching about what it means to be a person, a person of faith, a person responsible in this nation. So my friends, mi gente, that's why we do what we do. That's why it's okay to have a noisy little corner over there with some sticky fingers on the children's zone. That's why it's okay, from my point of view, it's okay to have them squiggling a little bit, moving around a little bit, because they're overhearing the gospel. They're overhearing the good news, and they can't learn how to be a person of faith off in a room by themselves. We are all of us their pastors. We are all of us their parents. We are all of us their role models. That text ends with a phrase that says, and God was with Samuel, and he grew in strength. God is with these little people, and God is with the little person inside each of us. My little person 
had some mad, crazy email traffic over the weekend. <laughs> they maybe want to go, Lord, I need your help. God's with your little person. Edna mourning the loss of an uncle. Jorge thinking about his family. All of us wishing we could do more, be more, struggling with the stuff we struggle with. Your little person is in the hand of God. And so are they. We are the body of God, creating the safe container for struggle, for resistance, for growth, for transformation. Amen. afternoon I should say. Anyway my name is Sierra and this is my middle story. How I came here. The very first time I came into the sanctuary was in January of 2002. From 9-11 to that very Sunday that I arrived here I'd been a volunteer, a Red Cross chaplain working near the pit at Ground Zero with the survivors and with the residents of the World Trade Center area. It was an honor, but it was very hard. Everyone was in a state of shock. We were all exhausted. We were facing our own demons. I live nearby, and I have a roof outside my apartment, the one I was in at the time. And every few days, I would prayerfully go out on that roof and sweep up the gray dust that had accumulated. It was actually the remains, the pulverized remains of 3,000 spirits and of the towers. And then I would take those ashes over to the Hudson River and I would set them free with a prayer. They were holy. The whole city was on holy ground at that time. And this part of the city, below 14th Street, well, it was like we were under siege. There was no transportation, buses, subways, nothing. Taxis, nothing. Food and newspaper deliveries had stopped. Restaurants were closing. Many people had no phones, no electricity. And if we went above 14th Street and came back home, we had to show photo ID. 
But we did it anyway, of course. We needed to see our friends and we needed things. Permeating everything was the smoke and the smell from the smoldering towers. I'd been an actively spiritual person for 40 years at that point, and I was an interfaith minister. But my circle of friends all lived uptown, and I was on my own down here, physically alone. I had spiritual tools, I had resources, but I needed community, and I knew it. So one day, I came through those doors into Middle Church, and I took a deep breath, a really deep breath. The place, the space was golden, filled with light, with beauty. It was open, it was welcoming. There were beautiful faces everywhere. I was immediately at home. I had entered a true sanctuary. Within weeks, though, I was traveling to Washington, D.C. with peace talks. This was a group of very committed middle people who had agency and determination. We were going to keep us out of Bush's war. We gathered. We walked, we marched. We had nonviolent communication training. We had writing groups. All of these things were helping us to start the long healing process. That fall, I joined the gospel choir. And I found joy again. It was so much fun. I decided to become a member right then. After all, Middle was giving me a lot. In fact, it was rescuing me. At first, I put a little money in the collection bags. I mean, I'm Catholic, you know, I was raised Catholic. We don't put money, so much money in the bags. So it's a learning experience for me. Over time, I increased it so it was a bit more and, and it was more than just the couple of dollar bills that I had in my pocket or the loose change. And I started writing checks. And I began to feel ownership, partnership with this place. So the checks increased a dollar, two dollars, three a week. It's still not a lot, but it's what I can afford. At some point, I started in the memo line down at the bottom of the check, I started writing $2 for butterfly, which I thought was important because this place was feeding me. The least I could do was help feed others. So I'm on a very, very limited and fixed income. I juggle my expenses every single day. What is more important today? Which expense is a must? Well, this month, a must is honoring the monetary needs of middle, and it's at the top of my juggle list. This place where I have experienced and witnessed so much healing and growth, well, it needs our financial support. And then I think, what more can I do? What more?
Then I think of Luke and the story of the woman who lost one of the 10 coins that she needed for her survival. She searched. She looked in every nook and corner of her life until she found that last coin so that she could meet her budget, our budget here. In order to support our ministries, we are asked to contribute, contribute, I struggle over this, it's so much money. We, we are asked to contribute $625,000 towards the two million budget that we have. And this month, we still need to raise $50,000 to honor that commitment. Because we're diverse, there are many deep pockets among our membership and congregation. But most of us, most of us, are on very tight budgets. Well, middle needs us. It needs each one of us to help find that lost coin. So I'm asking, asking that those of us with these tight budgets search our resources, stretch, find a way, find a sacrifice, especially in the coming weeks, to help meet this goal. In small increments, we can make a difference. You, all of you, and I, we can make a difference. And we can increase our partnership with this place. I want you to know, you are all beautiful. You make me cry every week. You are loved. And every time, every single time you go out and do something in Middle's name, it's a prayer. And it's not just your prayer. I'm praying for you. Lots of other old people who can't go out there with you are praying too. And I pray a blessing for you as you help us to meet the bold challenges that this time in our society have to be met and that are before us. I want us all to help power, revolutionary love. Thank you for listening to me. children will listen careful the things you do children will see
God, we thank you for the numerous gifts you give us so that we may speak and work for our children, for Puerto Rico, for pride. Thank you for using all of our lives to cast spells of your love and grace and power. Amen. You may be seated. Gathered in this sanctuary, dry and cool, we acknowledge the amazing grace that sustains our lives. They are our children, our children in Puerto Rico. They have no power. They can only go to school for part of the day. They have lost time and loved ones. Some have even lost hope. Many have no roofs over their heads. Only a tarp covers their family. Only a tarp to protect the children, our children. And the rain is coming. The wind is coming. The same God who loves us loves them. The same God who came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The same God who is still speaking to us is speaking to them. I hear your cry, God is saying. Who will go for me, God is saying. And we say, 
We are your servants. We hear you. We will love your people. Because we are God's body, because we are God's hands and feet, we come to this table to feed the body. Feeding upon the broken bread and the cup of blessing, we will be sustained to bring bread and cup to the world. This is the bread of life, shared by Christ with his friends, broken again today for all of us and for many. Fruit of the earth, food for the journey toward justice. And also, this is the cup of blessing, shared by Christ with his friends, poured out again for us today and for many, fruit of the vine, quenching our thirst for justice. With this tarp as our touchstone, with our God as our witness, we commit to be the body, to love the bodies who are suffering. This is our call. the bread of life, the cup of blessing for you and for our journey toward justice. You are welcome to this table just as you are, as you came through the door. We'd like to invite you from the balcony and from the back to come forward to come now and feast upon what tastes like the reign of God on earth.
collaborating um, with Fort Washington Church and with Intersections International and with Union Theological Seminary through our great ally and friend Jonathan Soto's work. And I'm asking him to offer a communion prayer that also puts Puerto Rico even more in the red. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank Reverend. Jonathan's beautiful wife. We're meeting for the first time. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Let us briefly acknowledge the over 4,565 individuals which we've known have passed this week. Scripture states in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that the Creator has made everything beautiful in its time and has set eternity upon the hearts of all people, yet people do not know the work of the Creator from beginning to end. And when we do not know the work of Creator, of the insertion of divinity in our lives, we devalue those lives and those lives do not matter. That's why we say right now that black lives matters, brown lives matters, Puerto Rican lives matters. And we acknowledge this and thank Middle for their courageous leadership and for standing in solidarity with our people. Amen. And I'd like to invite all of you to please stand and join us in a closing hymn. We're marching, we're marching up to Zion. gorgeous baby in my arms. Alexander Wilhelm, hello. You are so good. Look at that smile. I know. I know. Okay, Alexander says, God is still speaking. Oh, even in ways that I can understand, he says. And the children are listening to God. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, okay. And God is saying, it's our job to make this world a better place for me and all of the children everywhere. They all belong to us. They all deserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. William, you're, you're doing a good job, Alexander Wilhelm. Yes, you are. 
so he says, God bless you and keep you. God make God's face to shine upon you. God be gracious unto you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.